1: My better half to the right bird man how you doing buddy
0: good i'm your better half now
1: better half you were you were the other half now you're my better half because wow. you are the you are the wings beneath my feet oh um, my god okay <laughs> wind be- is it wings beneath my feet or wind, wind. it's the windy wings beneath my feet. something
0: bird <laughs> reference I, I like it yeah, i, I appreciate I was it
1: i trying to work that in without even thinking about it um hopefully you guys are having a good year so far okay we're a couple weeks in hopefully uh hopefully everything is going as swimmingly as you had hoped um for us it's been uh just hectic uh we we had to take a beat for a second there um as there are a lot of different moving parts which we'll get to in a minute um but just as an over arcing perspective as a Toronto sports fan and Toronto sports in general. Lots of different things as we look out to the new year with a lot of uh, a lot of hopes and aspirations for our different teams. Some uh, a little bit more uncertainty as opposed to others. Uh, we talk Blue Jays offseason report card and all the different signings and trades that they've been doing. I mean, it just shows that there hasn't been uh, any sort of um, any sort of uh, signs of stopping anytime soon. know, recently acquiring Brandon Belt as well and uh, continuing to make roster moves and adjustments as well. That uh, we'll definitely dive into Uh, talking about the Leafs as well, uh, obviously playing great hockey. Um, You and I were talking about this as well. Pretty happy with the one A, one B combination of uh, Samsonov and Murray Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as well. Um, But then again, uh, is this uh, are they making the right uh, steps in the right direction in order to change the script when it comes to uh, the playoffs? that is yet to be uh, we will see we're gonna have to wait and see and uh and then obviously the biggest question mark uh around right now is uh the toronto raptors what direction they're heading do they tank is it tank season s z n is that the time to uh, to start blowing things up or do we stand pat and and give this core more of a chance to try and turn something, uh, turn something into out of nothing? So uh, all these questions, all these insights are going to be um, covered within this next episode as we have uh, Tim and friends uh, staple and anchor on Sportsnet, Jesse Frick Rubinoff. my goodness what a what a guest what an incredible time having uh, having him on the show as well um just a, a breath of fresh air and and really some great perspectives uh when it comes from toronto media as well and uh, just um honestly an absolute delight to have on the show
0: big get real nice guy knows his mm-hmm. shit like yeah. i mean what else can you ask for what is a fantastic what? interview
1: I mean, you you can totally tell that, you know, especially spending day in, day out with with the Tim McAuliffe as well. Um, you know, he just he really takes a page out of that book. And, and uh, just when it comes to professionalism and everything else, um, he just uh, he, he, he just shines with excellence. And it's been mm-hmm. it was it was just it was a a conversation with 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 him that lasted uh, a good a good solid hour, and it felt like we just blinked and it was over. And it was like, wait, there is still so much more that we'd love to cover. And uh, I mean, we could go on and on for hours with him. Um, but it was really really great to have him on the show as well. And uh, um, we cover l- literally everything. We, we're everything from you know golf to to, to football, as well as we're approaching um, the the to the Super Bowl as well, um, and different predictions that we have going on as. Well, And just honestly, his his career when it came to sports media and broadcasting and and developing a career in sports as well. It was just really, uh, really just a breath of fresh air and um, great to have somebody who has some some real insight as opposed to as opposed to, you know, sometimes just uh, we get caught up in in social media and everything online as well. When it comes to all these hot take people, everything who's all these people that are too hot takey, Um, takey. really hot takey. It was uh, it was really great to just have him on um, to get uh, to get his uh, insights on things as well.
0: Yeah, and like I really appreciate that the fact that he was like, you know, Tim and friends. Like we really try to stay away from the hot take thing, and mm-hmm. you know that was kind of our mindset when we started the show. It was like let's let's just stay away from that. Let's dive a little deeper, you know, like get to yeah. know the people, uh, this is- you know, how they came up, how they got to where where they're at, because that stuff's timeless hot takes man that shit gets old after a day there's sometimes less on it yeah Yeah. and it's just like everyone has their own hot take but then a lot of people have the same hot takes and it's like i've heard this a million times like i don't need to hear it again so
1: and that's literally it and that sometimes can exclude the listener from uh, any sort of, you know, if you're, if you're getting too deep into some hot takes or whatever, and that, that might be too much sometimes for the passive sports fan, which is why we want to be able to make this show for everybody to be able to tune in and still uh, be able to follow along with the conversation and appreciate the guests that we have on and, and the, the story behind uh, the scenes as well. So, um, again, Jesse Rubinoff from Sportsnet. Uh, it was great to have him on, and I uh, can't wait to get that interview uh, up and going here in just a couple minutes. But first, First things first, Uh, as we mentioned, ending off the 2022 year and heading into this year, a lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of uh, big announcements coming up. And the first of which um, we are very, very excited to uh, to roll this out as well. Um, And as you guys know. We are a part of the Dean Blundell Network now, uh, which uh, has been something in the in the making for quite some time. Uh, Dean Blundell is, uh, has been great um, ha- having Dean around as well. Um, it's been awesome and instrumental for the growth of our show as well. Uh, but Dean Blundell Network uh, is now transitioning, drum roll, brrr, transitioning to Crier Media, Crier Media, which you can find online. Um, uh, as of as of now, uh, it is now live. Um, we are now a part of their YouTube channel. Over twenty thousand subscribers already. Uh, very very excited for all the content that's going to be going on out over there. Um, articles that I'm going to continue to be writing are now going to be sourced through Cryer Media. Um, just some top uh, top notch talent that's uh, on this um, on this platform as well. Uh, just all things sports and news as well, uh, and really just the community of of artists and and entertainers and and uh and creators like 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 bird and i um just collaborating and putting uh, out a lot of uh great stuff for your enjoyment um so so please uh please go check it out and uh and thank you as well um as we haven't been able to make it to this point and continue to climb and reach new milestones if it wasn't for you guys so um thank you to everyone who keeps supporting the show as well uh because man there's just so much different things coming in down the pipe with them um a lot of a lot of big things on the roadmap as well um so yeah i, I don't know bird we had a chance to sit down with chris rook as well ricky and uh, showing us the ins and outs of our new platform and everything and mm-hmm. i am just beyond stoked for it
0: yeah i'm excited it's gonna make our lives a lot easier mm-hmm. and um not to mention the the platform like it's not just sports. You anything that you're interested in, you can go on there and you can cater it to what you like to read, what you like to see, you know. Yeah. It's it's anything got you're its, following. It's got its own algorithm. You it's know, got its you,
1: own algae. You gotta algae.
0: kinda get it started and check some stuff out first, but it's gonna be if you keep going back to it, it's gonna be tailored to your it's, it's personal sad. experience, you know, which is kinda nice. It's uh that's it's so cool. different from a lot of other websites, right? Where you got to sift through, <laughs> you know, some stuff. All the stuff you're not interested in, just to find exactly. the, the one article and you want to read. So,
1: the tailor-made user experience. Very, very um, cool.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, it's um, honestly just a, a huge step in the right direction, especially when it comes to our show. Um, and uh, we're, we're very, very pumped for it. And not to mention uh, Dean Mundell as well, being a, a huge part of that as well. Um, so stay tuned because, uh, yeah, he's going to be a guest on our show, uh, coming up very soon along with other people from the network. And it's going to be a great community of people to be able to have on uh, our show and, um, check us out as well as we will be featured on a lot of different shows that will be on that platform as well as, as again, it is a community and, um, a lot of other exciting stuff as well revolving around Cryer media that will be released in the coming weeks as uh more of that comes into fruition as well some other big announcements um but for for the time being we'll just leave it at that uh so shout out Cryer media check them out on youtube check them out online it is live now um and uh and find us on all social media platforms as well and uh, we'd love to hear from you so hit us up Um, But with that being said, we have, uh, again, uh, Jesse Rubinoff from Sportsnet uh, and Tim and Friends, um, one of their flagship shows on the network as well. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump into episode 35. We made it to 35 of these longer form interviews. And, uh, man, we are so excited to bring this one to you again. Jesse Rubinoff from Sportsnet. Enjoy. Yup Beer, made with all natural ingredients and only $1.85 a can. Available in over 200 locations across Ontario. Visit yupbeer.com to find a store near you. interview of 2023 and uh, really excited to bring this uh, next guest onto our show uh, we've had him in the books for quite some time and uh, really glad that we're able to uh, finalize something and have him on the show uh, you may recognize him from sportsnet's uh, tim and friends uh, anchor on sportsnet as well we have jesse rubinoff sitting down with us jesse my man what's how up how you doing guys, here, we hey. <laughs>
2: here we go
1: thanks so much for uh, jumping on and hopefully uh hopefully you didn't get stung too hard with that uh, Bucks and Cowboys game yesterday as we ended off wild card weekend, but man, well, that was a bit of a doozy.
2: First of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah. really is a, is a pleasure to be here and, and to talk to you guys. Um, I did get stung on that game, actually, as a matter of oh. fact. Um, I have a, I had a previous dinner bet with a, a group chat that I'm in um, mm-hmm. sort of for a game back. I think it was like the Mexico game with the Cardinals. I don't remember who they played, but anyway. right, so right, right, right. So I ended up going to the Keg with uh, with these guys, and I got to pay for it whatever. It's all good, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to do it again for boxing and Cowboys, and I was like, "Well, it's Tom Brady. Guy can't lose, right? It's Tom Brady. He's obviously going to win at least a game. And it's the Cowboys. The Cowboys always flame out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't we, Why don't we ride with Tom? Of course. Look what happened, man. So I, like I that's what everybody one did. Of my boys at uh, the Keg now for that. So yeah, that's. Uh, I'm in an okay mood, though, irrespective of what happened last night. So it's all good. I'm ready it's, to go.
1: So it wasn't quite a double down. Like, you don't have to up your steak game for this next dinner. It's no. not going to be, like, double the cost <laughs> of the bill or anything like that. No, we're I not mean, going. I didn't
2: check the fine print, but I don't think that's the case. Let's <laughs> hope. Let's help. Let's help.
1: Right on. I mean, yeah, I, I was in the same sort of boat as well. We're just like, I mean, with the Bucks blowing out the Cowboys of the first game of the season as well. It's like, how do you like any time I bet against Tom, it's yep. been it's ended horribly for me. So it's like, why would I go with a Cowboy squad that I'm not entirely uh, confident in anyways? Um And boy, were we wrong, but uh, we can we can jump into that a little bit more later in the show. Um, I guess a good way to maybe just start off here for some of our listeners who may not be uh, familiar with you is, uh, I guess, just uh, taking it all back to where it started. Um, I know we were just chatting a little bit. Um, I did uh, a a bit of a deep dive on your LinkedIn account. Uh, and by deep dive, I mean I added you to LinkedIn, yeah. uh, so, <laughs> uh, and uh, I saw that you uh, that you went to school right down the road from where I'm currently at, out here in London, Ontario, Western boy. I uh, did, yeah. Yeah, So let's let's start there, and and uh, your your path to uh, you know making it into uh, a career in, into sports
2: as well. Sure. Well, uh, yeah. No, I do uh, I do miss it out there. So you are you are one of the lucky ones. That's Western. <laughs> um, it's not I, a bad I, town. Uh, I went to Huron, so I got. I don't even know if that that uh, still counts as Western. I sure. know Western folk um, sometimes look down on on those that went to some of the other schools that are in the area, but mm. uh, I did go to Huron, got uh, a Western degree. I, I, I the whole sports thing, um, it really starts back when I was uh, younger, even before that school. Right? I grew up a, a huge sports fan and mm-hmm. uh, played competitive hockey growing up. Played AAA, then AA. No, no way and going through you know that i was a huge sports fan and every day i'd wake up i'd read the paper i'd read about the leaves i checked the standings when i was at summer camp uh, i used to sneak into the staff lounge and and grab the newspaper and check the blue jays box scores and all that stuff so i was a huge sports fan growing up but then you sort of try and figure out what you're going to do in life and uh, sports at least going to sports media wasn't something that was initially on the radar Mm-hmm. And I went to Western for political science, which clearly has nothing to do with sports. <laughs> uh, I was trying to figure out, you know, what are you going to do after school? And, and I, I did the four years, and I didn't, I didn't know at the end of the four years. I was thinking maybe, you know, go to business school or go to law school or whatever. And I remember a, a, actually a conversation I had with uh, one of my buddies in, in a parking lot, and he was like, "Hey, I heard of this uh, this school that Jim Van Horn, former, and I was." Sports desk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And back in the day, uh, he, he's a teacher at this this sports broadcasting school. I think it's called the College of Sports Media or something. Like, if you're not sure what you want to do after school, why don't you, why don't you check that out? Like, oh, like, I don't have any other plans. So sure, let's do it. Yeah. So uh, I after Western, I went directly into the College of Sports Media, which is a two-year program. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's a, it's an internship. Uh, they set you up an internship at Sportsnet. And, and that's... That's the path. And I've been at Sportsnet for, which is insane to say, but over a decade now, it's just crazy how – how time flies and how it's much incredible. you see over the course of 10 years, but it just goes by way too fast. It's just, just sad. That's uh no, that, that is crazy. And, uh,
1: even now as well, uh, you've been on, on Tim and friends as well for, mm-hmm. uh, the last uh, couple years as well. Two, uh, years almost. two years almost. Yeah, exactly. Um, how did that even come to be? I know obviously everyone remembers, uh, Tim and Sid as well, mm-hmm. and then transitioning over to Tim and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what kind of opened the door to be able to have you on as an anchor on the show?
2: Oh yeah. Things were totally in flux during the pandemic. Like, Everybody else's lives were right, it's uh, it affected everyone in, in different ways. And uh, I was like everybody else, or like most people, working from home uh, over the course of the pandemic. And then when uh, Tim and Sid the show ended, mm-hmm. uh, there was a, a team put together to sort of figure out what direction the new show was going to go. And we knew that Tim was going to be obviously in the same spot that he had previously held, yeah. but we were trying to figure out okay, what kind of direction do other people go with the show? And is there a co-host? Is there something called a, a digital producer, which is now my title? Sure. And we landed on me being uh, the person who got the first crack at it, actually, uh, of working with Tim because mm-hmm. I was, I guess, the only one on the team who had had some sort of on-air uh, experience. Right. I had done Sportsnet Central for, I think, since 2017. So we mm-hmm. figured, why not uh, give it a shot? And uh, it's... I mean, it just worked. It just it just clicked. Like, for just from day one, which is just uh, I think we're we're pretty alike, and mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. And I think from from day one, we just it, something just clicked, and and we've just been working together ever since. And work with a great team, and uh, going in every day. And and my work is is researching sports, boys. So it's like it does not get better. No, yeah. It it really, really doesn't. And I I consider myself extremely lucky every single day to go in and and be able to work on a show like this. Because, like, we all grew up watching Tim and Sid, right? Back back in the day, you know, on Score Tonight and all the different shows and Plays of the Week with Tim, Sid, and Cabby. Oh, yeah. And if you would have told me, you know, when I was 16 years old that I would be – like sitting across from Tim McAuliffe in studio, it's a joke. Like, it's crazy, after. yeah. It's a joke. Like I, mean, <laughs> I mean, <I'm laughs> told you, we're crazy, right? No kidding, man. And, you know, it's it's
1: great. And it, it, you can totally see it on air, too, with the the chemistry that you guys oh, have yeah. and, and very like minded as well. And it obviously, like you said, it just works and uh, it's very enjoyable to watch. And uh, we, we we love doing that as well. I Thank mean, you. Thank any, yeah, man, absolutely. Any sort of insight as to what it's like working next to, to Tim? Uh, obviously, like someone that you said that we've grown up watching over the years as well. Um, what's it? What's it like now?
2: Yeah, it's it's just such a good question because there's so many different directions I can take it, but right. Uh, I guess I won't just rip him to shreds. Um, <laughs> well, at least you're faster than him, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Although he, he'll put up a fight, we'll have to do a rematch. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's made any progress? Although, yeah. it. Just, it, just talk about that for a second. Like, just a just a horrific start by him, and I get that. Like, he's yeah. Go, and you know, he doesn't want to pull anything, but like. He'll be fine with me saying that because he acknowledges. Just like I think mean, people on Twitter were calling him a tugboat coming to the gates when he was. <laughs> <at the gates. laughs> just, well, I guess once you get them
1: below the momentum, right? He's like a locomotive. That's I what. He, that's exactly
2: <laughs> what he went for, and obviously it just didn't didn't work. Out. Honestly, when we were out there that day mm-hmm. and we ran it, uh, he on the initial uh, stopwatch he beat me, and you, you, like after seeing him run, you can imagine what my reaction to that was. Like it just. Oh! First of all, I was incredulous. Yeah, <laughs> and then just like devastation. Like, there's yeah. just no way this guy beat me. Um, <laughs> was even like that attire too? Yeah. It's just, uh, <laughs> you know, he's all, like,
1: "Game's on, man."
2: <laughs> oh sure. man, it was it was great. Um, what's it like working with Tim? I think the, the, if I was to take away one thing from Tim, and there are many things that I could take away mm-hmm. from the way that he goes about his business, it's definitely his work ethic. Yeah, it's not something that people see. Uh, on a regular basis, because how could you You just watch him on TV for two hours? And I think at this point, after his 20 plus year career, people sort of take uh, for granted how much he knows all of the time about all sports. Mm -hmm. And this is not to diminish anybody that focuses exclusively on one team or one sport or what have you, but it is, there is an element of, you know, it's a little bit easier because you have something to hone in on. Mm -hmm. Whereas Tim will have to do his homework on every single sport on any given day, and we walk in there uh, in studio, and I'm telling you, this guy has pages upon pages upon pages of notes of different different things that he wants to say. If the conversation goes in a different direction, he's prepared. Oh, you got the game plan for that. And, you can uh, see yeah. it. And, and well. I mean, you've seen it not only trickle down to me, but to the rest of the team too. Which he still works with two longtime producers that he did work with on Tim Sid, but. Everybody works that hard because he's the one, you know, that sets the example because you don't want to let someone down when they put in that kind of effort, right? So if there was one thing that, that I would take away from working with him, it, it would be he just he busts his butt all of the time to bring the best information and entertainment, quite frankly. That's why they called it edutainment yeah. uh, to the show. And <laughs> uh, that's something that, you know, I, I – I really admire about him uh among other things but but that yeah i think that would be number one if i had to, to choose for sure yeah. and
1: you know i think it i think it shows as well just it just is passion overall when it comes to when it comes to sports in general and like we try and take a page out of that book as well because we obviously we love all sports we've talked about potentially like honing in on one specific sports uh, one specific sport and mm-hmm. and making a podcast a little bit more centered on that but we also like to uh, – we, we're just fans of sports all around, and uh, yeah. that, that yeah. really we brings up the passion with within Tim and within you as well. It definitely shows, and it's, uh, it is it is great to watch. So um, so d- uh, definitely appreciate all the work and, and uh, all the time you guys put in after the hours as well.
2: You know what they say, like the jack of all trades, master of none, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's There's I think something to be said for that because you, you've seen over the years there haven't been as many shows like this one. Yeah, like This is kind of rare, mm-hmm. um, especially in, in the TV realm, because you've you've gotten into a world here where everything's specialized. You have experts on everything, mm-hmm. which I think has made it a little bit more difficult for us in the sense that you really have to be on your game. Yeah, You can't fake sure. it when you're going in to talk about the Raptors today and you're talking about, for example, Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent's player options. Like If you don't know those numbers, you're going to get exposed. Right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So,
2: you, exactly. have, you really have to know your stuff. And uh but at the same time, that's that's the joy of it, right? Like that's why we we got into it because we we like that stuff. We enjoy reading about that stuff. Yes, of course, like any other job, there's days where you know you're overwhelmed or there's there's a lot going on. Sure. But at the end of the day, I think we both probably and everybody in the team realizes like, hey, you know, it's a pretty good, pretty good gig we have. We're talking about Today we talk about Brady and and the Cowboys exactly like yeah. we started this podcast like there's exactly. no there's no difference right exactly and, uh, and that's something that I think people can relate to you, you, you talk about a lot of the same things but you educate and, and you try to show that hey like there's a reason I'm where I am there's a reason I'm doing what I'm doing
1: and we're definitely gonna get into all of that um, but obviously it's uh, I I want to dial it back just a little bit here because you've you've obviously had um, a bit of uh, a bit of experience before even getting into um, any sort of major role when it comes to Sportsnet, and it probably is due to some of the practice that you had over the years. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that you uh, had a stint broadcasting for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Of the IBL, uh, mm. which is for those of you listening, you've and uh, for some of our listeners, you've heard me go on about the London Majors. I am formerly a uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan, uh, but since moving to London, I've had to. Um, I've had to transplant and now become a majors fan. As you can see, you're he <laughs> yeah. wearing my, my majors cap. Uh, but let's just talk a little bit about this. And Jesse, uh, Bird, you gotta, you gotta go down to Christy Pitts sometime and check out a oh, Maple yeah. Leafs I'm, game. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun So
0: down, it usually
1: ends in a fight, uh, especially Classic. if the majors Classic. are in town as well. Uh, but yeah, tell us about uh, broadcasting for the Leafs because some of my best memories, uh, because I used to live right down the road from there as well. And just going over to Christy Pitts and catching a game on a Sunday, uh, it was just always a lot of good times, um, but yeah, just tell us a little bit about that oh, because man. for me, that's 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 one of the coolest things.
2: It, it was it was so cool. Like I don't even remember how it how it came about. I think it was probably through school. Yeah. I think yeah, I think a teacher came to me and just said, "Hey, there's a you know there's an opportunity if you want to jump on this and do some play by play." And I was like, "Of course, mm-hmm. of course." Like if there's if there's one piece of advice that I had heard from from teachers or mentors over the years, it was. Say yes to everything, especially at the beginning of your career. Sure. Mm -hmm. As you get older, you can sort of pick and choose. You know, not everybody has all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at that time, it was just reps, reps, reps. And uh, a big thing for that was was Rogers TV. Yeah. And when I got that opportunity, I was like, of course course I'm going to do that. So let's try my beliefs. Yeah. That's the baseball team, not the hockey team, but of course I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one thing that you realize, and I think Roger Lejoie, um, my teacher said this to me at school that the, the sort of the higher up you go in the industry, the, the easier things get if you have people helping you out more along the way. And that's why when you do things at the beginning, sort of at, um, I don't call it the lower level, but sure. more the community level, Yeah. Uh, there's more that goes into it on your own. Like you're looking up all your own stuff. You're not getting stat packs in the same way that if I roll into a Tim and Friend show, I have the ability to look at a whole thing that's been put together from our stat department. Mm-hmm. So you, you learn a certain work ethic that you will then be able to take into uh, the rest of your career. Of course. And uh, and that was like a thrill. I remember the first day uh, <laughs> that came to me live on, live on location at Christie Pitts. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was, I was freaking out. I was so nervous and you just find a way to power through it. And then the, the more reps you have, those sort of crazy butterflies that, that you had at the beginning, mm-hmm. they sort of go by the wayside more and more and more as you get more comfortable. It's really like anything else in life. Like the old cliche is like riding a bike. Like it kind of, it kind of is Yeah, because mm-hmm. your, your anxiety is, is, at the height of the beginning and then it, it fades away. Um, but it was such a thrill, like play by play for, for baseball. I had no experience doing play by play for anything. Right? Yeah. Okay. And then I'm there with one of my buddies who was, uh, who was in my class. Who was just like a, a stat genius, uh, Gary and Thorne. And, we, and he was the the color guy and we were just having the time of our lives at that time. Man. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. How, how could you not, how could you not? I'm just, you, you grow up like watching sports and I want to be like uh, Jim Nance or Joe Buck or, Whoever, Bob Martinez, yeah, and uh, and it was just it was just such a thrill, and, and that brought you one step closer. Yeah, yeah, and and you just and then it's just it's not only something that you put on your resume, but like I said, it's it's the experience of having been through the fire, yeah. right? Because you get the countdown in your ear and you you, you see the lights go on and. There's no there's no out there's no option like you gotta yeah. you gotta do it right You gotta power through. you gotta power yeah. through um, so yeah, but it's not all nerves. it's a lot of fun like once you settle in and uh, you get more comfortable it, it's just so much fun I did I did it too with uh, with Roger Lejoie, with the Mississauga Steelheads mm-hmm. and he was play by play and I was I was color and and I look back on it now and I'm like I was calling games for Spencer Martin he was the steelheads. Goalie now that Canucks say right. coach oh, yeah. Mark Scheifele was the star of the Barry Colts and he was ripping it up and I go back and watch some of my old stuff from I think it was 2012 and I'm like oh Mark Scheifele is like a man amongst <laughs> boys tonight like he is, <laughs> he is he's like, you're, you're no kidding buddy is this guy's yeah. a star in the NHL one day uh, but you go back and you watch it like wow this is like you see and appreciate like how far you've come in, oh, yeah. in, in your career and and how different things are now from from how they were and uh it was just such a thrill to be able to do those things and i would encourage uh, if there's a piece of advice there is that i would encourage anybody who wants to get into the business to just do as much of that stuff as, as possible because they'll get more comfortable and it's fun I mean
1: yeah. uh, for sure we totally know where you're coming from with that as well. I mean personally for me doing stand up like a year into doing stand up but like every every gig was like that and then uh, <laughs> and then even bird for you like with yeah. with uh, with playing music, music. as well and, and being on stage but oh, yeah. even just more collectively um for us on the podcast, our first major guest that we had was Jack Armstrong yeah. and oh, yeah. and we were we were, we were shitting our, ourselves. Oh, seriously. man. <laughs> so nervous. And I, <laughs> and I go back and I listen to that episode compared to, you know, now that we're almost 40 deep and it's just, it, you know, it really it really you can see the growth come mm-hmm. in and also just become more comfortable within your own skin and and carrying on interviews and uh and you know we and we we that's why we're so appreciative of having having people on like yourself to be able to help us get the reps in and uh you know just chat about sports which is uh which is truly great
2: so interesting do you find that um why well, I, I think i know the answer to this but when you're doing stand-up or, or when you're playing music yeah does that help you with sort of your presence on the podcast
0: oh oh big time Big time. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, just the, the like mental preparation of, you know, you you almost have your, like, your routine when you're, when you're getting ready and Mm -hmm. getting set up and, you know, you got your notes and whatever. But it's, it's like playing music. It's like setting up my amp and making sure, like, my pedals are all in order and, you know, everything's mic'd up properly. And it's like, you have, you have your little, like, regimen that you do and it's like, like pictures
2: of habit right yeah
0: yeah and it just helps set you up for the night so, and then the now that we're big time,
1: too. now that we're big time, I got my fiance giving us the stat packs and <laughs> stuff, so <it's, laughs> we're, we're all good now. So it's, yeah, we've come a long way. We really, for her. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: We really have, um, but yeah, so let's, let's jump into it. And, uh, before we start talking a little bit about, uh, Toronto sports, um, we, we, I wanted to touch on some of your coverage cause you had the chance to, uh, do coverage for the, uh, RBC Canadian open, uh, which for me. Is a bucket list. I, it's a pretty attainable thing to cross off a list, but I would love to be able to go down the Canadian Open. And it just seems like such an atmosphere mm-hmm. and an experience to be able to get close to some of these incredible players. I mean, obviously you're talking like the Rory McIlroy's and the Justin Thomas's. But what was your experience like that, uh, being able to be on on, on the ground with uh, be covering that tournament? Yeah, though? no,
2: it, it's uh, I would say of all the sports, golf has sort of evolved into my favorite -hmm. Which is might sound crazy to some people, but when I was growing up, like Tiger Woods was, you know, it's it. He's it. That's it. Like he is my favorite, he will always be my favorite athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, questionable uh, behavior, of course, over the years. Um, But from an athlete's perspective, like this guy, he did it all. Right. And he provided me with so many memories over the years that I, Became more than just a tiger fan, uh, a, a golf fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I was talking about the butterflies, but but to see these guys in person, oh yeah, see Rory McIlroy in person, like you get the butterflies back. So you're oh, like, yeah. well, this is this is the real deal. Like the Rory McIlroy, you're not messing around anymore when you're a no, deal. no, you're a not at all. Uh, so just to just to be in the presence of these guys and and to see really how good they are, like it's, that's the craziest thing, like. I've been around some good golfers, and you know, hit the ball well, and whatever scratch golf, cool, whatever. Sure. Watch these guys hit the ball, and it could not even just Rory, all of them, all of them. They're on tour for a reason. Tony Finau, and yeah, Tony Finau. Yeah. And just uh, to watch, to watch them hit the ball is like something. It it, it seems fake. Like they seem like they're just they're just fake, and your ability to get up close and personal to them too, which is. Which is amazing. So I mean, it's a great experience for anyone that loves golf. It would be a great experience. So I highly, highly encourage you to do it because it's fun, man. Can you
1: compare it to a like Canadian Open specifically to any of the other major tournaments that you have might have attended
2: or, or covered? Oh my goodness. I mean, I wish I, I wish I have covered uh, a golf major tournament. Right. Um, yeah. I would say that like my my brother has been to Augusta for the Masters, uh, which is yeah. just like. It, it's, a big, a big strain, big time it's a big strain on our relationship, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. fact that he's been there and I have not it, its like he'll always have like yeah. a level up on me, which is which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I would love to go there. Obviously, that would mm-hmm. be a bucket list item uh, for me, no question. And, and but in, in terms of sporting events that have been around to cover, I mean, I don't really leave the studio all that much, so I haven't yeah. been around to cover. Well, interesting story though. I did used to uh, before I like early on in my career i guess when i was an intern i was an intern with blue jay central and i would have to pull cable for the camera person and we would go into the clubhouse after every blue jays game this was i guess in in 2012 oh, so yeah. again that was another situation similar to being at the golf tournament where it's like wow you see these guys up close you see how you they operate. butterflies yeah the butterflies you see how good they are You're like i'm on the field i'm, I'm in the dugout i'm watching these guys take batting practice and and when you're you're young and you haven't seen those sorts of things up close before Mm -hmm. it's it's honestly it's shocking just to to be around them and you and you realize just sort of there's a there's a joy that comes with playing professional sports but you also realize very quickly that it's a grind like it is a grind these guys are exhausted a lot of the time baseball you can see you see it on their faces 162 games it's oh, yeah. a long, long time playing in the summer in golf, I don't think it's much different. like you're traveling all the time, you miss a cut, you don't make money right uh, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in sports where I think we sort of take it for granted. we just say like hey, these guys are there, you know they entertain us. it's great. but it, it, it's hard like it is hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to be an athlete. and I just had an appreciation uh, being in the clubhouse and, and seeing them these guys up close.
1: Of course. Yeah. Even when it comes down to some of the role players and, you know, some of these some of these uh, some of these players that don't have as many minutes or as much uh, as much playing time as some of the major um, aspects of the team um, and, and being able to see how much they can do with the allotted time that they do have as well. And for us, like as, as fans as well, like you kind of take that for granted. It's like, oh, yeah, you only put up eight points. I guess you're back on the waiver wire on our fantasy team. Yeah. Like it's just like you really lose appreciation for it. But then, you know, when you actually actually get up close and personal you definitely regain that again
2: yeah that's such a good point man i think in today's day and age yeah you know, i'm not I, I don't i'm not really a hot takey type of type of person i mean there's there me as one. no but yeah I, there have been opportunities uh, on the show where i think you know maybe something would have gone over better had i been more of a hot takey person mm-hmm. but part of the reason i'm not is because i just see on social media especially nowadays like everyone's a hot take person mm-hmm. all of the time And like you said, a guy's a bad night. Trade him, bench him, get rid of him. And it's just like it's exhausting. And Tim and I, I think, wanted to have a show where we sort of dove deeper into those issues as opposed to just saying, you know, coming out with a hot take and people agree. And a lot of times that works. A lot of times that's really engaging, obviously, right? But I think in today's day and age, like sometimes talking people down is – kind of it's contradictory, which is fun and not really what people are expecting. People are expecting you to come out with a hot take. This yeah. is all anyone does. Anyone, yeah. going to right now talking about the Raptors. Oh, like Scotty Barnes has done. Trade Fred VanVleet. Yeah. Trade Gary Trent. What are they doing? It's a mess. Everything's a mess. Leafs. Oh, they, they won't win around. They stank, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's kind of a relentless negativity. Yes. So I think we wanted to, to just look at things in a more... uh structured and try and educate, but also try and be positive and and not always come with the, the negative hot takes all the time
1: well you are you are a stats guy right and then you always go and refer to what you are able to find out at your disposal as well so that doesn't really when it comes to hot takes a lot of the time like you you can you see some of these guys come out there and it's just it's clickbait and that's what they're that's kind of what they're doing it for but you would rather dig deeper and that's what we really do appreciate well it's tough right
2: because the the industry is sort of everything is geared towards that right it's engagement at the end of the day you need people to watch like tim always says when we're going to commercial break i'll we'll say you know stick stick with us or whatever it's our livelihood but he's right yeah. and if you're not engaging enough and a lot of times it's, it's easy to to sort of give a hot take uh, but if you're not engaging enough then people aren't going to watch the show and people aren't going to listen to you and and that's sort of the fine line that you really have to walk in this business um but i just it, it just i've thought this a lot over the last decade or so where people everyone has an opinion now so how are you going to differentiate yourself from everybody else's opinion okay. and i think there's a lot of people at sportsnet in particular who do a really good job of of doing that and, and digging deeper into the issues just provide that's what you want to do you want to provide people with information to try and help them make a more informed decision i think that's that's what we try to do Absolutely. Definitely
1: agree with that. Um, Speaking of which, I mean, like there's a lot, there's obviously a lot of hot takes, especially when it comes to Toronto media as well. So, I mean, it is really refreshing to be able to have these types of conversations with, with you. Um, But we, we do, we got to cover some, got to cover our our sports teams here in Toronto as well. And, um, you know, obviously watching you on a, on a day-to-day basis as well. So we have a a bit of an understanding, but let's, let's dive deep into a little bit about the Leafs. I guess, let's start (laughs) with all that being said, uh, I mean, look, I mean, uh, Jesse and I, like, this this is the stuff that we talk about day to day, and we're, we're all constantly texting each other back and forth. And, you know, uh, it just even when it comes to the Leafs, for starters, um, obviously playing great hockey. Um, Jesse, I mean, like, you, your your thoughts on our goaltending situation as well, now that we have a 1A, 1B sort of thing that's definitely working out well for us. Um, how do you uh, – what are your thoughts on the Leafs? Because I know in the past that there have been – um, questions about, I mean, I guess just uh, if there needs to be a culture change, uh, is this team ambitious enough? Um, are they aggressive enough? Um, a lot of Leafs fans are, are still happy with, you know, the way that they're performing this year. Uh, but they might kind of see the writing already on the wall and mm. afraid of a repeat a little bit. Yeah. Um. Any thoughts on that? And, I if, if, if yeah, a million thinking, thoughts, and, just, just
2: just just yeah. stop me whenever you want me to stop. Talking <laughs> yeah. About the um, well, I mean, it's it's the same old story, right? Is this is this year different? Yeah. This yeah. Is this yeah. year different? Because it's been so many years of just not being able to get past the first round. And and Tim and I have this conversation all the time. And you know, last year he asked me, "Is this year different?" And and I thought it was, frankly. And mm. I think. I think it's a more nuanced answer than is this year different. I think, yes, the only thing that matters are wins and losses, but they have been good enough to make it to the second round. The team has been good enough to make it to the second round. Things haven't gone their way within the series where they have ultimately lost, but they, I think have been talented enough for sure. Uh, to get past the elusive first round. And this year I think is no different. Like the one thing that they, they don't have and they haven't really had for a long time, is sort of the the physicality that everybody talks about being so important in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I think there's other things that can help brush that aside and make that not as important. And one of those is goaltending. And I think having two options now is helpful. Obviously they've had their own sort of struggles over the years, Matt Murray to stay healthy and Samsonov. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a great year last year, but they're both performing well this year. And to have a sort of a 1A and a 1B gives you options, which I think is really important. And I think the emergence of Timothy Lilligren and and Rasmus Sandin and the continued Mm -hmm. play of Mark Giordano at the age of 39. Oh, yeah. In developments that I don't think people saw coming and I think are not giving enough credit to how much that changes the outlook for the team, because Mm -hmm. when you incorporate two guys who you thought, Hey, maybe specifically talking about Sandy and Lilligren, maybe this will be the year where these guys will have some sort of an impact, but you're hedging because you don't really know if they're going to be able to do it. And then you have them together and they have been an incredibly effective pairing. And we saw just how good they were when Morgan Riley was out Mm -hmm. for an extended period of time. So I think that's a little bit of a wild card there where, Hey, We got something that we didn't know we were going to have, and this is going to make us perhaps uh, get over the hump or at least help us in the direction. And then you look at, I think splitting up Matthews and Marner, honestly, was a huge moment for this team because you look at Matthews' numbers, they're not what they were uh, a year ago, but he's still great. And the numbers making everybody else really good too. And the balance is something that has been lacking for this Leafs team for a number of years. So you go up and down the lineup. I mean, I could I could t- I could could talk for, for days about how I think they're a really good hockey team. Tim asked me a week or two weeks ago if they were the best team in the league. I said, yes. And then I backtracked very quickly because the Bruins are probably... <laughs> the
0: Bruins are disgusting. Yeah, I mean, the Bruins yeah. are playing
2: some, some historic insane, hockey here, yeah. But I, I do think that they have what it takes. Like, can they do it? I don't know. But I do think they're good enough. Of course, to win a round. It's just the playoffs is different, but I don't think it's that different from the regular season that a team that is this good should flame out. Like, yeah, they're going to have to play a really tough team in the Lightning. Probably going to be 50-50. If yeah. they lose, it'll be, uh oh, it's their curse. They'll never win. There's no win, easy
0: way to the end, though, no. right? So, like, why not?
2: No. Yeah. yeah. People make too much. I mean, I get it, but I do think people make a little bit too much of the, the first round thing because... You know they, it's hard. Like I don't think these guys are like looking back in '67. I don't think Austin Matthews cares about no. the fact they haven't won a cup. he <laughs> no. yeah. wants to win now. He wants to yeah, yeah, yeah. With his teammates. So yeah, I, I think they're good enough to win. You know, it's funny that you
0: mentioned the uh, the kind of like found talent with uh, Sandine and Lilligren. I feel like they kind of found that with Matt Murray and Sam Sonoff. Like, yeah. I don't think they expected them to be this good and you look at the series against tampa like like you said it was 50 50 so you get a little bit better goaltending and i think you i think you end up with the edge you know at the end of the day so you gotta you gotta be stoked on that right yeah yeah. no
2: i think the 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 one person maybe who saw it coming and i'm not sure you'd ever get him to admit this but kyle Dubas may have seen it coming and maybe that's why he made the move that he made especially with matt murray and look you look at Matt Murray's numbers last year, he was playing behind a terrible team Yeah. his yeah. injury. And he could still have more. We've seen injury issues already pop up this season. So it's mm-hmm. not to say that we won't have injury issues of down course. the line uh, later in the season that the Leafs will have to deal with. But I do think, to your point, that having two of them, you just need one of them to play well for one game here. Next game, the, yep. you know, like it doesn't It doesn't matter who's going to get it done. Someone does need to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Jack Campbell was the reason they lost the series last year. Uh, I don't even really know why they lost the series last year other than the fact that the Lightning are a really good team, and that's what happens in a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. One team wins, one team loses, and that's just the way it is. Things go – that's that's why you play, right? Yep. That's why you play. And uh, one bounce here, one bounce there. I really do believe that that's how close – of a margin was between those two teams. Uh, I'm not saying the Leafs would know, go on to win the cup or uh, get to the Stanley cup final, which Tampa does every single year. <laughs> but I, I do think when you look at the talent of the teams and uh, how good that series was, how competitive that series was, that's what happens.
0: Yeah, what you it is what it is, right?
1: And I, I don't think a lot of Leafs fans were really I mean, obviously disappointed, but not angry like they were uh, a year ago before yeah, that with the Montreal. With Montreal. Series. Um, I, I, I think there was a lot to be able to build on. And one thing that I will go back to, I know that you guys have talked about, you know, there being a lack of accountability with the leave squad, maybe from years past and even last year. Do you find that there has been uh, – a little bit more accountability on this year's team, which might lead might be one of the missing pieces uh, to kind of working as a cohesive unit to get past the team like Tampa.
2: I mean, it's such a good point. Like you look back on the Mike Babcock years and mm-hmm. accountability was supposed to be his thing. Right. And they had good teams then probably not as good as the teams that they have now, but yeah. the accountability thing didn't work then. So you bring in sort of a quote unquote players coach. I don't even know if he really qualifies as that anymore in Sheldon Keefe. Yeah. But I do think he's maybe harder on them than we think. And when we watch know the, the series that they did uh, the last year on TV, yeah. yeah on TV, like, I, you, you get a sense that like he knows when to discipline them and he know he's very good at sort of pulling those strings of when to get them to perform. And ultimately, they gotta decide as an organization do we have guys that want to win? And I think when you're in a locker room and you're staring guys like Mark Giordano in the face or Matt Murray, who's won multiple cups or Jake Muzzin, who they're, you know, obviously he's, he's injured this year, but you guys want a cop guy. You want to win for, I mean, there's Wayne Simmons. Like, I don't think they're a team that is in the locker room and says like, eh, if we lose, we lose. And that's just it. And we're not going to be held accountable. do, Do I think that it, Bothers them that they have this reputation, maybe, but I think they probably want to win for each other, like most players do, uh, more than anything else. And at the end of the day, it just is, like you said, it is what it is. In the course of a seven-game series, that's hockey, and that's why it's so amazing, is because you don't know who's going to win. In that Montreal series, that I mean, that if you're going to circle one, that that one in the Columbus series, yeah. I mean, uh, those are the two ones that they they Ooh. had to have yeah. change everything right it could have changed the whole right. course of the organization we wouldn't be having the same conversations mm-hmm. and they would have made around and then the conversation probably would have shifted to oh okay they're never gonna go to the second round or whatever yes. but those were the ones that i think were especially painful um but it, it's gonna happen eventually I, yeah. I think i i think they're gonna get over the hump eventually they they're good enough and, and i think they, as hockey players and as professionals, I think there's the accountability there to try and win for each other.
1: Absolutely, I mean, definitely as Leafs fans right now, you got to be a little bit more comfortable with uh, where the Leafs are at at this point in the season and going in to be a little bit more maybe aggressive come towards the trade deadline. Whereas our Toronto Raptors, on the other hand, a bit of a bit of a different. Story. Um, a lot of question marks floating around. Um, you, I mean, it's if, as Raptors fans, like everyone is just really just confused at this point. Uh, Jesse and I talk about this all the time. Bird, we're just like, we don't know. I mean, yeah, this is unfamiliar territory for us. We're just like, uh, it's I don't tough. know how to feel right now. Like, yeah, like it's even, just been so long since even we've been for bad. the 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 COVID year where we had to go spend it in Tampa. Like that was even sort of like a okay. We there was th- that made a little bit more sense to it us. This, yeah, yeah, this year it's just it's it man. I mean, you look at us right now, and we're, we're we're not too far off from 500, so it's like but we're we talk about this as well. Just being in that play in tournament realm, like the seventh to ten, you don't want to be there if you're the Raptors or the Bulls or the Hawks or any of these other teams. The Heat, the Pacers, I mean, for being in that position, sure. I mean, there's they're a team that might be overachieving. A little bit, but when it comes to a team like the Raptors and with question marks, and then you have people like CJ McCollum coming out and and saying that, oh yeah, no, there's there's a lot of unhappy players that are on the Raptors squad and so on and so forth. You look for some trades coming the deadline. As, as 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 Raptors fans, there's it's it's very unsettling, and uh, I mean, where do we look, Jesse? What? Uh... It's a
2: great it's a great term. It's a great term. It is yeah. it is unsettling, and it's unfamiliar territory. It, it feels a lot like. The years prior to when they won the championship, quite frankly, and mm-hmm. not even that prior to when they started their run, I guess, 2014, 2015 with the series against the Brooklyn Nets where they sort of put themselves on the map, you know, beside the F Brooklyn situation. Like that yeah. was the beginning of this sort of run that culminated in the 2019 NBA championship. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's been a while and they have a lot of new fans that I think have an experience a situation like this before. Right. It, That's it, a great point. I think has lent itself to sort of a new vitriol that we haven't experienced in the last number of years because we're used to winning with the mm-hmm. Toronto Raptors, right? The fans are used to winning. So I look back on uh on the like before the 2014, 2015 season, and this is this is what it feels like the Jose Calderon years and the uh Jorge Garbajosas and the Charlie Villanuevas and this is what it felt like. You're sort of in the just. I called it. I said it on the show, it's the messy middle. You're right. always in the messy middle, and you want to choose a direction and figure out where you're going. And for a guy like Messiah Jiri, who we know is ultra competitive, being in the play-in tournament, I don't think, is a reasonable option unless he thinks that this team is capable of making a legitimate run for a, a championship. Mm-hmm. And this team, as currently constructed. I mean, you watch them, and yeah, they have good nights and they get hot sometimes, but as currently constructed, I don't think there's any way you can say that they're built to win a championship right now. So then the question becomes, you know, what do you do? What do you do when you get to the trade deadline? Is there enough here to make it worth it to start trading guys? And obviously the two names that continue to come up are are Gary Trent and Fred VanVleet. And the, the thing about specifically Fred that sort of rubs me the wrong way a little bit is, is this is a guy who's, you know, given a lot to this organization. He was a Mm -hmm. a big, important piece of the championship run. And now he's having a tough year. Clearly he's one of the worst shooters by percentage in the NBA, which is not good, but he's going to become a free agent. And fans are just like very quick to want to discard a guy like that. And I would just, caution people and just say like you do you wanna have the fan base have that reputation when guys look back on their time here and say, Yeah, like things soured really quickly and the fan base turned on me. What what's a guy in free agency when the Raptors are trying to court that person? That is an excellent What's he point. gonna think? What's he gonna yeah. say when he has Fred Van Vliet to talk to and Fred will say, Yeah, you know, I had a, a lot of really good years here uh, in Toronto, but you know, they turned on me really quickly when I had a bad season. And I think players read social media, and I think that it, it probably affects them to some degree. Mm-hmm. So what do you do, right? What, what do you do in this situation with the two of them? I think from a talent perspective, I don't think they're good enough to do anything significant in, in the postseason. The guys, no. They're not a good enough shooting team. So do you bottom out? Do you, do you quote-unquote tank? I mean, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. You're going to get a lot of assets for a Gary Trent Jr. and a Fred Van Vliet, things that will probably help you sort of reconstruct and build the team around Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be bad enough to be in the mix for a Victor Wembanyama or a Scoot Henderson, who are the yeah. two guys at the top of this? It's a deep draft. Out. Yeah, it's a deep draft. So, I mean, that that's the big question. And I do think, just from what I know of Masai Ujiri, he's so competitive. He'll never say tank. No. No, that's not it. But, but if there's a there's a way to improve his team and that happens to coincide with losses because you know, they're not they're not good enough right now, I wouldn't rule it out. And In fact, I would think that's probably the direction that they're going ahead uh, as we move towards the trade deadline because doing this all over again, uh, especially if you lose Fred and Gary for nothing, I I don't know how that helps you. In any way moving forward, you're not going to be better next year if that's the case. And at some point, you got to start looking to the future here.
1: Yeah, I for me, it doesn't really feel so much like the Calderon Bargnani years because I knew that we were going to be very good uh, like that. So I guess that's why there's so many question marks around this year, because it's like we know that we can be at least six or better. Like the, the our roster isn't too much different than what it was last year. Um, we given some of the, you know, sophomore slumps that Scotty Barnes might be facing um, and then having an off year from Fred um, just overall, we needed to improve our shooting and uh, our, it's gotten worse, which is probably our, our, our main focal point. Um, Otto Porter jr. Has been uh, obviously just uh, not, there. not there. So <laughs> that's, on. the, that's one of the, one of the things that uh, we were hoping to improve on. Um, I, for me, I, I, I agree with you. I I don't think it would be in our best interest to actually get rid of Fred Van Vliet. I think you can probably get a few more assets for Gary Trent Jr. I feel like, and you're right, Masai is not the kind of person that will blow things up at the deadline and just, and start tanking. Um, I, I feel like they'll, they, these. Going to be competitive enough to still want to be able to get ourselves into the playoff picture i just don't see the raptors doing that because that's not within their nature no it just doesn't it
2: just doesn't make a lot of sense to get into the play and then you have one game or two games and yeah. you lose and that's that and then what have you really accomplished it's sort of just a a lost season and i get it there's a lot of teams and only one champion and i understand that But we went through uh, some of the shooting statistics on today's show. Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of a deeper dive on it. And the Raptors uh, going into tonight 29th in the NBA in field goal percentage. Uh And I went back to their 2019 championship season. Uh, They were fifth, I believe, that year. And then of the previous 10 champions, five of the champions were the best shooting team in the league. And all of them Mm -hmm. were in the top 10. And I look at that and I say, well, is a team that, okay, say they improve, it on a nice little run here, they get a little bit better, they get hot, they move up to 24th in field goal percentage. Sure. Is a team that shoots at that level really a threat to win anything? No. no. Mm-hmm. And another big issue is that the fact that the East is a lot better than it's been in, in recent years. You oh, know, when I was growing up, it was the Western Conference. That was the the conference. And now that's mm-hmm. not a thing anymore. No, both conferences are really good, and and I think the Raptors just kind of, they they just they were at the top tier, and then once Kawhi left, they just took a notch, they went a notch lower. Yeah, and I think everybody sort of got back up to their level, and they're duking it out with a lot of teams that are at their level right now, but they just things have not worked out. It hasn't gone their way for them. So yeah, they're like they could be a 500 team. They could be maybe even a little better than 500, but. When you look at just their underlying statistics, it doesn't paint a good picture for a team that's uh, likely to be competitive in the postseason.
1: So, I mean, just even looking at the trade deadline and some of the people that we might be interested in come uh, the trade deadline, just with some, you know, the rumor mill floating around, and and, and you know, looking at potentially adding pieces like Jalen McDaniels from. Charlotte, which is another six, nine forward um, that we're looking at, like very much the um, the prototype of the type of player that we like having on our team. Um, Do you do you think that we continue to head in that direction or do we need to just shake things up a little bit with our roster? And is that more of just a a passing fad with the six, nine squad? Yeah, it's like, like, where do we go from there? Like what what changes need to happen if we're
2: going to head in one direction or the other? It's a great question. And. I think Messiah is probably figuring Messiah and Bobby probably figuring out that yeah. exact thing right now somewhere in a room mm-hmm. because to be they try ball. I mean they tried they tried to change things up they tried to be sort of unique and revolutionary for the game and uh, there are a lot of benefits to having a roster constructed in that way with a lot of wings a lot of six seven six eight six nine guys mm-hmm. and the main benefit for that would be defensively. Yes. And last year we saw a team that was very, very sharp defensively near the top of the league in defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, this year it has not been the same. And whether that means they're tuning out Nick Nurse's head coach, I have no idea. But the results have not been there from a defensive standpoint. So obviously when you have a, a team of six, nine guys, what you're sacrificing is shooting. And we've seen that. There's only really – Gary Trent's the only pure shooter on the team, really, frankly, Uh, at the moment. Fred, obviously, having a tough year, um, but you're sacrificing offense. And then if your defense isn't going to pick up the rest of the team, then you're really in a pickle because you're bad offensively, you're bad defensively. Mm -hmm. It nets out pretty poorly for you. So that is the (laughs) issue they've run into. And until they get back to playing the defense that we know that they're capable of, Um, that was a thorn in in so many team sides last year and obviously in the the championship year. Yeah. Curry couldn't handle it in the finals, obviously having Kawhi helped, but we saw last year, especially near the end of the year, they could be a pretty good team. For whatever reason, it's not working. And and I think for Masai, he's probably looking at it, examining it and say, you know, maybe it's probably too early to to pull the plug on on that. Maybe just get a different mix of players, surround them around Scotty, have Scotty be more of a focal point. Yeah. And we'll try it all over again because they, they have the pieces. Scotty's great. Pascal's great, although he's getting up there in age close to 30 now, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah. you're so nuts. It seems I like can't... he just came in the league. Oh, yeah. the it's league. Just crazy, man. We're, just, we're getting old. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I just it, it, That's the million-dollar question from size. Is, is it working with what you have? And if not, how big of a change are you willing to make? And frankly, I don't know the answer to that. I would say the experiment's not working, but has the potential to work because we've seen it and we saw it last year. Yeah.
0: I'm wondering if teams have just kind of game planned for that now. Like we almost caught them by surprise last year, right? And it's like, oh, now I know it's coming. You know, we know how to game plan for it. So I I feel like that's a big factor in that.
2: It's a wonderful point because you look at a lot of those numbers that that I talked about Offensive rebounds are down from a year ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deflections down, steals down. All that stuff is down, and I think that that's a fabulous point you make, Berg. Because last year you're kind of taking them by surprise. Like who's this frenetic Raptors team that just they they press you all over the court? There's so much going on. There's arms everywhere. They're deflecting everything. Gary Trent has hundreds of deflections and steals, and it's crazy. But then you play them twice, and the second time you play them, you get more accustomed to it, and then it's the same schemes coming in this year, and you get the game plan for it. So I do think there's there's something to be said for that. You play a little bit more patiently, you know what's coming, and you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's probably working against the Raptors, and that's up to Nick Nurse to sort of figure out a way to counter the teams that have countered you from a year ago. And
1: that's – you're absolutely right, and I think – when it comes to just even whether or not we stand pat, um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that there needs to be a shakeup when it comes to coaching. I don't think there needs to be much of a shakeup when it comes to the roster. Uh, I just, and, and that's not Masai. Masai has, gone to the well over and over again with that squad and tried to improve it. I uh, all you have to do is look at DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry with those squads and them hitting their head against LeBron, uh against that wall over LeBron-to. and over again. With LeBronto, oh, man, I I I don't like it when I hear that phrase. It just it just sends me down a, a battle, but um I I think that, you know, I just don't think that there's going to be much I, I don't think there's going to be much of a change as of right now because that's just not within Masai's game plan. I don't think he's going to shake things up too, too much. Um, I, I, I definitely think that he's going to at least try this out a little bit more and uh, obviously uh, try and work out something that is within the Raptors realm right now. And I I think, I mean, we're not too, too far off from being, from maybe being out of the play in tournament, from maybe putting a couple, couple wins together against teams that we face quite often, like, like the Knicks, for example. I mean, sure, it's not really... Uh, it's not really good to see them. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a good part to build on when it comes to beating them in overtime against the Knicks, but really you want to see them handle a team like that a little bit better, but it's still something to be able to build off of it. I don't think we need to panic as much as everyone is panicking right now. I feel like we'll make a minor change at the trade headline. I just don't think that it's time to blow things up.
2: One of the, uh, one of the really interesting things about Masai over the years is that he he, he works in silence, Right. Mm-hmm. And nobody saw the Kawhi. Like, I remember being at the office when the Kawhi oh, attacked. Yeah. It was like about two in the morning. Yeah. And it was chaos. Nobody anticipated a trade of that magnitude. And so that's the thing with Messiah is like, okay, well, People think Gary Trent's going to get traded. People think Fred VanVleet's going to get traded. Has Masai ever traded anyone that people...
1: If it's it's in the rumor mill and you're seeing posts about it, it's not going to happen. (laughs) Right.
2: I think he might be painted into a little bit of a corner in this scenario because the two guys are up for free agency Mm -hmm. and they have player options they can opt out and you can lose them for nothing. So I think, obviously, he's got work to do. He's got to talk to them. He's got to figure out what the realistic chances of bringing them back are. And if you don't think that, uh, they're going to come back or resign, then I think you have to make a calculated uh, judgment and move on from them because you want to get assets in return for guys that you're going to end up losing uh, in free agency for nothing. So that's on the side to sort of have worked that out with with Gary and Fred. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but I, I will say, I don't remember a time where people have said, yeah, is going to do this. Yeah. Messiah ended up doing just that. Does Yeah, he does the opposite usually. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to ship Lowry
1: at the deadline. Not happening. I think your oh.
2: contract's coming down the pipeline tomorrow or something. Yusuf Nurkic coming to the Raptors. A yeah. done
1: deal. Nope, not happening. The Miles yeah. Turner one last <laughs> The Miles year. Turner, yeah. Anytime I see a trade rumor come up online, I'm like, great, so that's not going to happen. So, yeah. exactly. That's not happening.
2: Let's just stop speculating about what is going to do because you don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody knows.
1: It's your boy, Josh Elijah, here, co host of the Down By Two podcast and DB2 Bets, which now drops every Friday. We wanted to break off a piece of that weekend action, so we decided to move our show over to Fridays. Now, you might be asking yourself, what in the hell is even DB2 Bets?
0: I'm chill. What the hell is even that?
1: Well, DB2 Bets is our sports betting show that is powered by BetStamp. We use the BetStamp app to find the best odds available across all different sportsbooks. Not to mention, we have a big fat promo code for you to use when you cash in on all those sweet signup bonuses that these top sportsbooks have to offer. We're talking DraftKings, we're talking Scorebet, we're talking BetMGM, Bet99, Betway, BetRivers, Steak, and dozens more. All you have to do is visit BetStamp.app Ontario and use promo code DB2. That's BetStamp.app Ontario and use promo code DB2. If you're outside of Ontario, go to the BetStamp app and enter the referral code DB2 in your account and open up a sportsbook directly from the app. And be sure to tune in every Friday and follow along with our picks. Or don't use our picks. Do the opposite. It's your life. Make your own decisions. Just make sure you line shop and please gamble responsibly. Um, speaking of uh, speculation from fans when it comes to trade rumors and stuff, there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, different things that, you know, Blue Jay fans were looking for uh, come this offseason and different things that, you yeah, know, I love it. targeting I love it. targeting like players like Nemo and what have you and what the what the Jays actually need. Um, and then, you know, obviously we're very busy offseason. Nobody saw Teo going over to Seattle. Uh, nobody uh, targeted Bassett as a, I mean, at least from what I was able to see, I, I didn't have Bassett on my you radar.
2: like moves, you could see. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah.
1: exactly. And then Dalton the Bear Show. Way out of nowhere it's like well obviously once we weren't able to lock in that lefty bat um then we were going to need to trade uh some sort of assets and uh i would love to be able to hear some of your thoughts on uh maybe your report card for the blue jays offseason here and uh how you think they fared
2: i think they did a really good job uh i look at the pitching i think same uh, same yeah 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 i think i think they did a really good job and and I, would I say that from a uh, from an onlooker standpoint, from a Blue Jays fans perspective, should I should I be satisfied with what they did? I think the one area that concerns me a little bit is the fact that it looks like they're still looking to go out there with you say Kikuchi or Mitch White being the fifth starter. I think that gives me a little bit of yeah of pause if I'm a a Blue Jays fan and. You know, from a from a batting lineup perspective, I think one of the things they really wanted to key on this year was having more options and flexibility for John So in critical situations. You could match up better with pitchers, and you needed more lefty bats. And I think that they did a really good job of nailing down the lefty bats and giving more flexibility and more options uh, mm-hmm. to their manager because one of the big bugaboos for the Blue Jays all year long was – they're right. Too right-handed heavy. Yeah, they have they're all right. righties. Yeah, they have too many. They have too many righties in the lineup, and that's going to end up hurting them at the end of the day. And whether it hurt them or it didn't, uh, whatever. But I just think it, it could make them a more uh, effective roster. And obviously, yeah, you look at sending a guy like Gabriel Moreno the other way. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to enjoy that. That's not going to be a good thing. You never want to give away someone who was at one time the number one prospect in baseball. Uh, that's going to hurt. But I think what I've been saying for two years consistently on the show is that when you have talent like this, mm-hmm. you have had this talent for a number of years now, you you owe it to your fan base to go for it. Like Absolutely. You've got to make the moves to try and win now. And they would say, yeah, we, we made the, we spent any the money. We've made the moves, but there was always something to me, whether it was in the off season or in the trade, during the trade deadline where they didn't quite do enough. And I remember two years ago, they didn't do enough to secure the bullpen and the bullpen yeah. ended up costing them uh, later that year. And then last year, I just didn't think, You know, they did enough to solidify the lineup, didn't get the the lefty flexibility that people wanted. There were some other issues that uh, people were looking for in the trade. Didn't do that. And I just felt like the two past trade deadlines were a little bit of a letdown where when you have a guy of MVP caliber like Vladdy and you have someone like Bo who is near the top of the majors and hits every single year and you Mm -hmm. have aces on your staff and you have found money in some respect with Alec Manoa who – Nobody thought he was going to be this good. He thought he was going to be a serviceable pitcher right off the bat, but you did not know he was going to be this good. Yeah. And when you realize that you have these sorts of gems, you have a window where you can really do damage. And right. the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Orioles, and the Rays are always good. But they were kind of hit and miss there for a couple of years, the last two years. Oh, yeah. a good year last year. And I just felt the the Jays never pushed their chips to the middle of the table at once and that was something that I was kind of frustrated with just because the the opportunity was there and I feel like they missed it Mm -hmm. and this year by trading Moreno to circle back to to my main point about him, that's what they're doing here they're saying okay, we know we had three catchers, we had a, a good prospect but we tried to get as much value as we could for him in return because we need to round up our lineup, round out our lineup and to be able to give it the best shot here, we're in our window now, let's go for it
1: that's exactly it and you know what when it comes to when it comes to morano i mean sure he is top top prospect but it just didn't fit within our winning window right now i mean like sure we we just had that surplus when it comes to when it comes to catchers so we needed to get exactly what we needed which is Dalton Varsho and it's always interesting to see some of the other fan groups like the Diamondback like fan groups and seeing what their those fans are saying yeah. in those chats and uh, all like across the board they're just like fed up with the organization uh for giving up Dalton show. uh and and they're like yeah sure we got Gabriel Moreno but like man we again just very typical of the of the Arizona Diamondbacks to do this i'm done with this organization so yeah. it is it is funny to see that happen from the other end and, and to feel a bit better because i know you know just talking to some of these passive blue jay fans they're just like dalton who like I, I i don't know this guy i think it's a very poor move and they just look at the the upfront stats and they don't understand what kind of decision uh um, went behind all of the scenes when it came to this so
2: yeah it's it's sort of a reasonable thing right because you know you can watch jade's games you know you see a lot of the AL East. We never watch Diamondbacks games. Like you got to be a real <laughs> hardcore sports fan to watch Diamondbacks games, right? I mean,
1: so, we we do throughout the summer for our betting show. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, I mean, right. no <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, Diamondbacks and Rockies again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like,
2: stay up to one in the morning watching <laughs> yeah. Diamondbacks and Rockies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, so I don't fault anybody for not you know understanding what Dalton show brings. Uh, to the table i think there, there's been a little bit of a philosophy shift here for the blue jays and in, in that i mentioned the flexibility but also they wanted to get better defensively as well mm-hmm. yep. and Dalton Varsho is someone that, exactly. that brings that for kevin Kiermeyer obviously brings that uh, as long as he can stay healthy mm-hmm. um and, and i i just think that that is something that they've wanted to focus on run prevention those sorts of things people were fed up from time to time with uh, the play of to Oscar in right field and yeah, score Scoria on left field, and it, it didn't go over so well for uh many many fans. And I think uh, this is a, a clear shift in direction for the organization and trying to find a different winning formula because I mean, they play a lot of really good offenses in this division, and the more that you can limit them, I think the, obviously the better it's going to be. And that's that's why, like I said, I go back to the fifth starter thing, and maybe it'll work out, maybe you say Kikuchi will. Uh, turn a corner or mitch white will be sure. better than you know people are expecting him to be and hopefully you get Hunjin ryu back
1: yeah yeah
2: from coming back from that sort of injury mm-hmm. but that's why i just think yeah, i'm not the one spending the money but at the end of the day if you're shifting your philosophy to run prevention and defense you gotta try and have the best pitching available As well. And every fifth day, I know Gucci has the ability to eat up a lot of innings, but it's a little bit discouraging based on what you saw last year. They gave him all year to work it out, and it didn't happen. So how long of a leash when every game should matter to you? You know you're in your window. How long of a leash are you going to be willing to give him uh, this upcoming uh, season? Because if it goes sideways, you you better figure out a, a plan B very quickly.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You talk about the um about the shift when it comes to being more defensive minded. Do you think that that actually changes uh, and uh, what some fans are worried about is the is the culture that they had within the clubhouse as well and you know the the bond that players like uh, like guriel and 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 teo uh have with players like Vladdy um in the clubhouse as well do you think that you know this kind of shakes things up and is not so much uh, more like happy-go-lucky when it comes to the clubhouse now it's kind of like hey we mean business It's gut check time
2: it's a great question because it was a the hot button issue for yeah. for years. I mean, there were fans that loved it, and you love sort of the camaraderie. And when they're winning, the home run jacket's great; everything's good, sure. yeah, right. And then when they're losing, everyone hates the home run jacket, and wants to rip it up, never wants to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> and you hate that Lourdes Correa making cocktails at the end of the dugout, and you hate that they're smiling <laughs> all the time when they're losing. And, yeah. I mean, I I mean, I I understood it. I understand that you know you want people to always be professional and when a fan is upset about losing you want the players on that team to match your emotions you want them to be more upset about losing they're the ones on the field that aren't getting it done right yeah so i understand where there was some of the frustration there but i mean i'm not sure i had a a problem with it i do wonder if it was a concerted effort on the blue jays front office to try and make it, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say a a more serious clubhouse, because I don't think that's fair to the guys that were in there originally. I don't think they they, they took it easy or anything like that. Uh, But I do think maybe a change in tone and, uh, I mean, maybe maybe that's warranted and maybe that's just something to try and shake things up in a different sort of formula. And the plus is that when you look at what you think those guys are going to bring to the table, the new guys, Mm -hmm. they just happen to – know, change the culture as well. And I do think that you're going to see probably uh, friendships and things that, you you know, you didn't, you weren't expecting. You'll see Vladdy right. hanging at the the end of the dugout with someone that you, you didn't realize he was going to be uh, so tight with. Right. So yeah. I think that you're going to start to see that. And, and obviously at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you win, takes care of all your problems. So that's all well, you're banking on too. Right.
1: So what you're saying is if Lord has got his hair cut, then he'd probably still be a blue Jay is what? Yeah. Pretty <laughs> much. You know, if we just kind of, pretty much. if we just kind of got a little bit more serious there. Uh, no, <laughs> no, um, I,
2: I just, I, I, I never, I mean, I understood the issues with the, with the home run jacket and yeah. the smiling and stuff. I understood it because it is, I mean, it can be frustrating when you're losing, but at the end of the day, like baseball is a, it's a very long season, and these guys should be allowed to have some fun too. Yeah, yeah, you go crazy if you're you're playing 160 games in the summer heat, and you know, especially especially when you're losing. Oftentimes, that's when you should be trying to. You know, brighten things up a little bit, change things up, have some fun, try and get rid of the losses because it, it can be it can be a long season for sure. Well, you kind of
1: got that message as well when they ended up bringing in Schneider and and firing their skipper as well. So I mean, like I feel like that might have set the stage for some bigger changes when it came to culture, maybe in the off season. That maybe that's just what I saw over on my end. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm very excited. I think that they did well in the off season here, and and obviously very. Uh, very excited for this season to come up. Um, I love the acquisition of Bassett and, um, you know, again, yes, Kikuchi, uh, big question mark, right. Finishing off the rotation there. I was hoping that maybe we might've got like a Johnny Cueto or something like that. Something, something cheap and short-term, uh, potentially, but you know, I mean, there's still time to be able to make some moves. Uh, as you can see, the Blue Jays still, uh, are not done yet in acquiring uh, pieces like Brandon belt and what have you. So i mean hey uh, i'm i i'm pretty happy with uh, what the blue jays have uh done in the off season and uh, i'm still looking forward to uh spring training and seeing how that all shakes up as well uh, one more time, we have uh Sportsnet Jesse Rubinoff on the show. Um it, we've gone a bit over time here. It's just been really engaging conversation. No, I'm rambling, so, you can be honest so. it, no, 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 no no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, we're asking for it. So I it's <laughs> been uh it's it's been great having you on the show. Um uh again, hopefully to have you back on as well. I mean, this is uh it's been it's been great. Uh but I guess we should uh, end off with uh just some of our thoughts on uh heading into I mean Super Bowl by the time this episode comes out, um we'll have more of an idea of who the actual contenders and pretenders are heading into the Super Bowl do you have a team that's actually still alive right now or I
2: uh, know no, no I never I've never had really uh an NFL team and I like yeah. the, the Titans back in the day of Eddie George and Steve McNair that was sort of my team yeah yeah out. but I, I grew out of it and and now I'm just more of a a fantasy and a gambling sure, sure. Uh, football watch <laughs> I mean I love I love I love the NFL um, yeah absolutely so I don't have a team, uh, mm. but I, I cannot wait to see the Bills and Bengals this weekend. I just oh, think yeah. the the, pers- the prospect of having DeMar Hamlin in attendance, potentially leading them out of the tunnel, it's just going to be insane. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, if that does happen in this, you know, the episode comes out after that, I'm sure it was insane. Um, and, you know, that, that's, that to me is, you know, it's – could be an AFC. It could have been an AFC championship. Those are two very, very, very good teams. The yeah. top three in the AFC Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills. I mean, it's anyone's <laughs> guess. It's yeah. anyone's guess who's coming out of there. Uh, so there's some really good teams left. And you look at the Niners and the Cowboys. Cowboys making a statement mm-hmm. last night uh against the Bucks. I mean, that suddenly looks like a much more compelling game than we thought it was likely to be. And then we saw the Giants coming out looking like that oh, that yeah. was ridiculous
1: i mean i did. <laughs> <magical. Yeah. laughs> because i mean as as much as as much as i like rooting for minnesota uh i they they have they have been somewhat fraudulent to me this year i mean oh, no question it's it's, it's it's yeah it's it is what it is uh, but then that leads me to think that you know if the fraudulent vikings can expose the bills for what they are um and, and come back in the way that they did in that fashion. And then for the bills to also um make it way too close of a game against a third string quarterback, who's also a rookie in no, Skylar Thompson. I mean, it's just, I, I was at the game against, um, against the Patriots uh, a couple weeks ago as well. And like the completely different team that I saw there compared to uh, what they were even in the second half against the Miami dolphins as well. So um, for me, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how confident I am on the Bills. I mean, I'd love to see them do well. Uh, I think it's going to be super emotional uh, with their matchup on the Bengals. By the time this is out, we'll have our answer as well. So we'll either look back at this and be like, Josh, you don't know what you're talking about, or, uh, or yeah, you might be absolutely right. So, um, do you have any sort of Super Bowl predictions? Maybe any any two teams that if you could maybe place a future on, who might you see uh, in the big game?
2: Well, I think uh, Kansas City having the first round by, I think, gave them a, a big yeah. leg up here. And I realized Jacksonville coming off an incredible comeback. One of the, one of the great games that we've <laughs> seen just in, in a long time. Uh, I do think <laughs> it was still an easier road for Kansas City to get back there. And mm-hmm. somehow, even though he's you know likely going to win MVP, uh, Patrick Mahomes feels like he's just flies under the radar somehow. Yeah, I don't really get it, and, and I follow the NFL like everybody. After likes. losing Tyreek, like I don't. Yeah, like- after losing Tyreek, people just take for granted his greatness, mm-hmm. and I think the Bills and Bengals might beat each other up a little bit too much. You know, make might make it pretty easy for Mahomes come AFC Championship weekend. So right. I, I like the Chiefs, I, mean, I don't know if it's much of a prediction. It's just sort of a, a rationale, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and then you look at the NFC. I mean. I didn't think the Cowboys were capable of that. I think they're running into a little bit of a buzzsaw here in the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's unbelievable to me is just how effective Brock Purdy has looked for the Niners. He hasn't missed a beat. Yeah. And I get that. You know, he doesn't. Some people may say he doesn't have to do too much. He's got a lot of playmakers. But we've seen a yeah. lot of quarterbacks on a lot of teams with a lot of playmakers that have not looked that good. Yeah, and Mr. Irrelevant. Looks pretty darn good at the moment, yeah, and absolutely. it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine them um, not making it there. I mean, it, it, a Niners-Eagles NFC Championship game, if we get it, will be insane because it's gonna be nuts. Yeah, Yeah, Jalen Hurts against the Niners defense, which has been the best all year, and Brock Purdy and the offense is just clicking at an, an incredible clip at the moment. So, I mean, I hope we get that. And I'm not picking anybody in the Bills Bengals. I just think that's going to be uh, an amazing moment for everyone and then, you know, toss up. Yeah, that one. Like two great yeah. teams going at it. it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I, I definitely, as, as much as I hate to say it, and I'm, I'm me being a Rams fan, and I could care less for how good the Niners do. Um, especially, I, I don't
2: see Golden. You got, got your championship for the next decade. I know,
1: I know, I know. We're still rating champs, so I mean, we're fine. It's yeah, gonna be, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be weeks. tough. It's gonna be tough. I, I gotta say, I gotta be a little bit more of a Lions fan moving forward for the next couple of years at least, uh, just just to see, just to see how uh, my boy golf is sure, doing. You have there, a team.
0: But, this is uh this is my first year really diving into football. I was never a football fan ever, but yeah. I hopped into fantasy this year.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, game changer. Did did pretty good. Did it's pretty a good. changer. Hey, thanks. I appreciate. It. I'm just I'm good at fantasy. I'm just gonna say that right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah. no, it was interesting. So it's been it's been a great a great year following along. But um, I I had the Bills going all the way, so I'm I'm just gonna stick with that. Even Step. though that that well, game did I did watch, yeah, yeah, that exactly. game I did watch, it was it was a little a little sketchy. So, if yeah, yeah.
1: one thing has kind of turned you off from football this year, it's been all the betting and all the missed bets that we've had. So, uh, oh.
2: I mean, it's just been uh, it's. It, it, That's what to bet on though. Like the uh, the beats. is it though? <laughs> <laughs> is it really though? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it presents the most potential. Yeah, for sure. Team. In my mind, because you sit because you sit down on a Sunday and you're like, well, at least for me, I'm like, well, my my <laughs> day is over, but we might as well make the most of it, and yeah, have a million options That's of what which I like direction you want to go. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I love burning my own money too. Everyone so. has
2: that stupid like <laughs> one or five dollar bet that can win them thousands of dollars. It's just so stupid, but <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. Oh it's so man. Much fun.
1: Well, we can go on. We can go on for hours when it comes to this, too. And hopefully we can have you on our betting show again. Uh, But one more time, it's it's Jesse Rubinoff from Sportsnet and Tim and Friends as well. An absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, Thanks. We've gone over time too here too, man, but it's been uh, it's been a real treat. Um, Anything else you want to be able to leave with us before we sign off here?
2: No, I mean, you know, if you guys want to watch the show the listeners and, and viewers of this podcast, you can yeah. catch us on Sportsnet, of five to six 30 or five to seven. Sometimes um, it's me and Tim McAuliffe you know a lot of, a lot of viewers and listeners probably know who that is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's Monday to Friday and you can find me on uh, Twitter at Jesse Rubinoff, Instagram, same thing. Uh, reach out anytime you want to talk sports, you want to talk uh, life, anything, hit me up, Happy to chat. And uh, boys, thank you so much for having me. Continued success with the podcast. It was a pleasure being here today.
1: Absolutely, Jesse. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that will do it. Another episode in the books. Once again, Jesse Rubinoff on the show. An absolute delight, a pleasure, a beautician, if you will. On the show, Um, really looking forward to having him back on and uh, even have him on our DB2Bet show, as you know, goes uh, live every Friday, which is now streaming on Cryer Media YouTube channel as well. Um, Like we mentioned, we're very excited to be doing uh, all of our content through Cryer Media now, um, which is in conjunction with the Dean Blundell Network as well. Um, but one of the cool things that we forgot to mention a bit earlier is that uh, within the coming weeks as we fully transition and onboard everything over to Cryer um, is that we're going to have the opportunity to start going live, uh, which is uh, which is pretty fun. We, we had the chance to do it before, but now it's all connected through the, the network. Um, so that's something that's a new muscle that we're really going to be excited to start flexing, and uh, potentially even having the opportunity to give us to give you guys some um, some quick updates uh, post game or pre game, uh, and any sort of initial uh, reactions from any sort of uh, bigger sporting event as well that we might be covering. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't know Jesse. Like I, when we went through the onboarding a couple of days ago, uh, really really stoked about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... It's going to be so much fun, man. Mm -hmm. Like they already have such an established, like, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Fan base, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like people that follow the network already. So when we go live, there's going to be a lot more opportunity to connect with listeners and, you know, take feedback, interact, listen to questions. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when it comes to betting content, like we want to hear your takes and your bets and, you know pit them against ours and see what happens it's gonna be really fun
1: yo the live chat is gonna be going wild be <laughs> that's that's one thing that i'm really excited for is to be able to to have that pop off as well um and not to mention offers still on the table here when it comes to onboarding uh with uh, our partners over at bet stamp as well the old bet app make sure mm-hmm. you download that bet stamp app if you haven't already and still you're a free, listener of the show the way. still free it always will be uh and use that promo code DB2 to get all those sweet sweet sign up bonuses but make sure you do reach out to us uh, down by two podcast at gmail.com if you are interested in an onboarding and training session a lot of sweet perks uh, to go along with that if you catch my drift so please reach out to us would love to be able to share more information on that with you Um, but that does it that that I I think uh, I think we did a damn thing here on episode 35 a lot of incredible guests coming on the show as well Uh, be sure again to check out DB2 bets every Friday Uh, but for Birdman and Josh Elijah here thank you so much for listening like share subscribe, all that good stuff. Talk to you guys soon. Peace out.